recognize Nick. Nick works at the gym. Nick's a professional bodybuilder and trainer, and Nick's one of those guys, when you walk in the gym, you might as well just turn around and leave. You know, you see this dude, like, what am I even doing here? So, and if Danielle's with him, it's good to have you. And Ange uh, has come from us, to us from Durham, but all the way from West Africa. It's good to have you here this morning. I was able to um, show him a picture of Colin and Madison there in West Africa and with a group of the Malians there, and he could easily pick out which one was my son and daughter-in-law. I don't know how he was able to do that. They were all dressed alike. I don't know how he could tell which ones was mine. But it's good to have you here. We're glad you've come to worship with us this morning. Let me start out this, uh, this uh, service this morning, this sermon this morning, by saying to you, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. And you might be saying, I have no idea what that means, Brother Larry. I'm going to tell you. I will tell you as we go through the sermon. This will uh, be, today we're going to continue our study on the Ten Commandments. We've dealt with having no other gods before God. We've dealt with not having any image, graven images, idols. We've dealt with not taking the Lord's name in vain. And this morning we will deal with remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now, Jesus was often asked, and they tried to trip him up oftentimes. Could you imagine trying to trip up Jesus? But they did. Those leaders and rulers of his day tried to trip him up. And they asked him a question one time. They said, which is the greatest commandment? And he took all those ten commandments, and he narrowed them down to two. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And what he did, he took the first four commandments, and he encompassed them in that one commandment. And we'll finish those first four today. And what they do, they deal with man's relationship to God and God's relationship to man. And we'll finish that one today with the Sabbath. And then he said this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And with that, he dealt with man's relationship with man. But I'm here to tell you something, church. If you don't get the first four right, if you don't get this vertical relationship right, and that's why I think they're first, these relationships will never be right. You want to have a better relationship with your husband, with your wife, with your children, with your co-workers, with your friends? Get this relationship right, because it's the most important. But this morning, we will look at the Sabbath and keeping it holy. If you have your Bibles or your phones, if you'll turn to Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your commandments that are still for us today. I thank you, God, that they're given to us for joyous living. They are those guardrails that you've given to us. And many times we see them, Lord, as restrictive, but what they really are is freedom. They're really. And so Lord, we thank you for them. And I ask God that as you've already done in this place for the anointing, that I stand here as a broken vessel like everyone else, but God somehow get to use by you. And that's what you want to use all of us. And I pray, Lord, that you use me this morning, that I may rightly handle your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I had said in the introduction, introductory sermon to this series that there's three laws. The Bible, the Bible mentions three laws in the Bible. It is the ceremonial law, which was completely fulfilled in Christ. The civil law, which was given to Israel for a certain time frame. And then there's the moral law. There's the moral law. And the moral law is timeless. And one of the best tests that you can apply to any law in the Bible is, is it restated in the New Testament? Is it restated in the New Testament? And every single one of the Ten Commandments, with exception of the one we'll talk about today, is restated in some form or fashion. Many believe that Colossians 2.16, which we'll look at momentarily, repealed the strict requirement that was put upon Israel for a day of Sabbath. We'll look at many of those things as we go through. But as we, as we go through this, I'd like for you to remember three things about the Sabbath or a day of rest. Three things. One, worship. Two, remembrance. And three, rest. Worship, remembrance, and rest. Pastor Don preached last week on indifference. And I cannot think of a better segue sermon into this than a sermon on indifference. He's going to be doing a series on the snares to being ready for the coming of the Lord. And the first one he dealt with that was indifference. Indifference means apathy or no real interest. And I can say that as we've looked at the Ten Commandments and we've seen that there's some indifference in all of them, we don't have to look far into our culture to know that there's no real interest in a day of rest in the United States of America, in our culture. We're busy people. we got to get it, get it, get it, get it. And we'll see that as we go through. If you will, look at your introduction. There's no doubt that today in the United States there's very little regard for the idea of the Sabbath as a day of rest and worship unto God. We will see how over the years that Sunday has just become another day to stay at home, to work, have recreation, or play sports. Although the strict observance that was required of Israel under the Old Covenant does not apply today, as Paul states in Colossians 2.16, the principle of rest and a day set aside, that's what holy means. He said it would be a holy day. It's a day set aside to worship and remember God and all that he has done is still beneficial to us today. Ben Franklin said, he that can take rest is greater than he who can take cities. So yes, let's, let's look at Colossians 2.16. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Coloss. He is, he, Paul, as many times, was dealing with some of the religious leaders of that day who still wanted to add the law to, the, to grace. And we're saved by grace now, not by keeping of the law. And when it came to that and to Sabbath, he said this, Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. So he said, don't let anyone judge you in how you approach Sabbaths now. We'll see that in the Old Testament, it was the seventh day. And we'll see as I go through that it was very, very strict on what they could do and they could not do. But still today, sometimes when I come to, to church, when I ride into church on a nice, particularly on a nice day, I come over the Eno, I often see people jogging, walking their dogs. I see them going down by the river. And I think, I wonder, it looks like they're doing exercise today. And they're doing some of the things I think we can do on the Sabbath and maybe should do on the Sabbath. But I wonder about them. I said, have they been in the presence of the Lord today? And some people have. There's some churches, large churches, they have multiple services to fit people's time frames. But we have to be careful on that too because then what we do is say, well, where does God fit into my schedule? And I'll fit him in where I can fit him in. 
I believe in the doctrine of first fruits. I want to give God the first of my money, and I want to give him the first of my time. And there's benefit in it, because how many of you know God created us? He created us, and we'll see that as we go through. So let's take a look at it. Let's look at the establishment of the Sabbath. How was the establishment? How was the Sabbath established? The pattern of rest was established at the creation. In Genesis 2, 1 through 3, it says this, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So God creates the world, and then he rests on the seventh day. Was God tired? No. He wasn't tired. He didn't need to rest. He didn't need to sleep. The Bible says the God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. God was setting that pattern for us. He was setting that pattern for His creation, a pattern of rest and work. We see that the idea of a Sabbath rest or a rest was found even before the law was given. In the introduction sermon also, I said many of the principles around the Ten Commandments were actually in place before the actual giving of the law. And the idea of the Sabbath rest was observed before the commandment. Look at Exodus 16 and 23. It says, Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, and lay up yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. Now at that time, God was providing manna from heaven. He was supernaturally feeding his people. And he said, Look, on the sixth day, gather two days' worth. Because on the seventh day, you're going to rest. You can't go out and gather. And I want to tell you, after having been in Israel, Tammy and I were in Israel in 2017, I believe it was, they still hold on to that principle. Now, the Jewish Sabbath is still Saturday. And we're going to deal with that controversy. Some people get, get bent out of shape, get in theological knots over that. Brother Jimmy and I were talking about that just recently. But their Sabbath starts on Friday at sundown, and it goes till Saturday at sundown. And they do no work, which means they don't cook, which means I don't care how nice the restaurant you're staying in. Pastor, I'm sure you guys experience this. Come Saturday, you eat leftovers. And I don't care how nice the hotel is, the bar is laid out, you go out there and get it, but it's leftovers because nobody's cooking on Saturday. And so whatever they set out has been done beforehand because they observe the Sabbath. It's still very strictly. As a matter of fact, when you're in the hotel, many times, and Miss Lib would know, that the, the doors are propped open. Sometimes the elevators don't work because it's considered work to open a door. It's considered work to push a button in the elevator. And that's how, that's how strict it gets. And we'll deal with that a little bit as we go through. And that's where this idea of Shabbat Shalom comes from. Because when you're over in Israel, as they approach the Sabbath, they will look at each other. And it took me a while to figure out exactly what what this was and what they were saying, but as, as it gets close to that Sabbath, they'll, they'll greet each other with a Shabbat Shalom, or as they're leaving, they'll say, Shabbat Shalom. And it simply means, have a peaceful, a restful Sabbath. Because they still hold very strictly the idea of the Old Testament covenant of Sabbath and rest. The Sabbath rest was applied to the land as well as man. It was to all God's creation, the land and to us. Look at Leviticus 25 and 4. 
says, but in the seventh year you, there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. So what they were supposed to do in the seventh year, they could not farm. And it was an agricultural community. That's how they made a living was agriculture. For a whole year, they couldn't farm. And they had to let the land lay fallow. You know, as I studied this today, you know farmers today still, they'll have two plots of land, and they'll farm one one year, and then the next year they'll farm the next one, let listen, lay fallow. Why? Because there's benefit in that. Because God created that land. He knows if he says, let it lay fallow, let it lay fallow. He created me. If he says, Larry, you need some rest, you need some rest. Because he knows what he's doing. He created it all. And then we sang about this morning the year of jubilee. We said, lift your voice. It's the year of jubilee. Do you know we live in the year of jubilee? Here's what the year of jubilee was. The year of jubilee was seven cycles of Sabbaths. So seven years, seven cycles, seven times seven, even I ain't a great math guy, but I can figure that up. Seven times seven is what? 49. That 50th year was a year of jubilee. And what that meant was if you were a slave because you owed somebody some money and you just indentured yourself because you couldn't pay it, there was big debt on your land, so you had to give it away. In that 50th year, all the debts were canceled. You were turned loose. Your land was turned loose. Why does that matter to us today? Everything in that Old Testament, that Bible is about Jesus. It's about what he would do. Everything in the Old Testament is a shadow of what was coming. He was the fulfillment. And we live in the year of Jubilee because my debt has been canceled. My sin debt has been canceled. I've been set free. You've been set free. We live in the year of Jubilee. And we sang about the returning of the Lord. One day we're going to live in the heavenly year of Jubilee, never to deal with sin, sickness, and all the stuff we have to deal with today. And those days are coming. But lift your voice. Why do we, why do we praise and worship? Because God has set us free. I, I just think here in America sometimes we forget. I forget that what God did for me, that if he didn't come and do what he did, I am headed to an eternal hell. And he gave himself for me. He set me free. And he has set you free. And if he hasn't set you free today, he wants to. He wants you to come down, put your trust in him, repent of your sin. He wants to set you free. Saturday or Sunday, which is it? Which is it? Now, as we've read the text, the Bible says that God rested on the seventh day. Well, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday... Saturday. Saturday's the seventh day. Larry, why in the world do we have Sabbath or recognize Sunday as our Sabbath or our day of rest or our day of worship? Well, I'm going to tell you. Because of Mark 16 and 9. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he casts out seven demons. How many of you know the resurrection changed everything? The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. And it also, it also changed when we come together collectively to worship the Lord. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be Sunday. There's a large denomination known as the Seventh-day Adventists. They still strict, stick to a very strict Saturday Sabbath. That's okay. I had a guy come that does some work for me, and he goes to a church, a fairly large church in this area, Last time he came to my house, I was asking him, I said, are you still going there at church? Nope. I said, oh, yeah. He said, no, I've been doing home church. I said, really? Why is that? He said, read the Bible. 
The, Sa the Sabbath is on Saturday. Everybody else is doing it wrong. I said, really? That's how dogmatic it can get. I don't think that's what God wants. I know that's not what He wants. That's what Paul meant when he said, don't let anyone judge you. As a matter of fact, we could have a Sabbath on Thursday. We could say, you know what? We're going to take Thursday. It's going to be the day we're going to come in and worship and do what we do on Sunday. How many people do you think would be here? We work, don't we? We work through the week. So the principle is there. But we have recognized it as a nation. And the early church recognized it at the resurrection. As a matter of fact, I want to read something to you. The New Testament sets a pattern for Sunday public worship for the Christian church. Sunday is called the Lord's Day in the New Testament. Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday, Mark 16, 9. I just read that. He appeared to his disciples on a Sunday, John 20 and 19. We read in the book of Acts that Sunday was the day of public assembly for early Christians, Acts 20 and 7. And we read in 1 Corinthians that Sunday was the day of collection for God's people. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 2. The resurrection changed everything. And the, the pattern of the early church was to meet on Sunday, which was the Lord's day. And as a matter of fact, do you know that? This is interesting. I found this in my studies. That's how we got our five-day work week. That's how we got our five-day work week. The seventh day of rest is celebrated by Christians on Sunday. In 19th century Britain, Sundays became an official day of rest with no work allowed. This did not take into account the Jewish workers, but they, they were finally recognized in an American mill in 1908 where the milliner decided to give his workers both Saturday and Sunday so that whatever their religion, they could take the appropriate day of rest. In 1932, the USA officially adopted a five-day work week, all because of the Sabbath. And so today, we recognize Sunday as a day of rest, a day holy unto the Lord, a day to do what? A day to worship, a day to remember, and a day to rest. That's the establishment of the Sabbath. What is the purpose of the Sabbath? Jesus said in Mark 2 and 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, I told you they were always trying to trip him up. And what prompted Jesus to say this? He and his disciples were walking through a grain field, and they were plucking the heads. And the religious right said, aha, see, you're breaking the Sabbath. You're, you're violating God's law. And that's when Jesus told them this. He said, hey, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. They were so strict in this thing, and they still are in Israel, Orthodox Jews. They still are. And Jesus, that they thought what had actually happened, that God had actually created man to observe the Sabbath. Jesus said, no. God made the Sabbath for man. He, he created the Sabbath so we could take some time to rest and rest our bodies. And there's always been two extremes. I, I said as well that in preaching and teaching on the Ten Commandments about the do's and the don'ts, there's always that balance to try to find between legalism and license. Legalism and license. And there's two extremes in this. There's the business as usual. Sunday's just another day. I just, you know, if I want to go to church, I'll go to church. If I don't want to work, I'll work. If I need to hit, hit my side hustle, I'll hit my side hustle. Whatever it is. I got sports to do. I got this. I got that. It shouldn't be just a day, another day. Particularly for us as Christians, as us as followers of the Lord. And then there's the other extreme. There's those who'll say, don't you dare work on Sunday. Don't you dare cut your grass on Sunday. Don't you dare do this. Both sides are not biblical. 
We need to be led by the Holy Spirit and understand the benefit of this time of rest that God has given to us. It's a physical rest from our labor and a spiritual rest for our souls. How many of you know we can't rest in America? We can't. You know our nation gives back more vacation days than any other country. We, and then when you do go on vacation, look, some of this stuff I'm telling you, I'm just as guilty of. I go on vacation, and I'm sitting there looking at my phone, checking my emails, doing all this stuff. We do that. But our bodies need physical rest. I Googled that, and, and so many things I found about the benefits of rest. Most of them, uh, Brother Nick, were tied to exercise and the importance of rest. If you're going to be exercise, you need to rest your body. Because God created it. He said you need to rest it. And a spiritual rest for our souls. Next is a time to remember. I asked Matt to sing that song today. We will remember. We will remember. We will stop and do what? Give you praise. For great is your faithfulness. It wasn't until I studied this and that I said, you know, God, do I stop for a moment when I come into your house to worship you and remember what you've done for me? Remember who you are. Remember that the God that you are. And I'm not really sure I did. So in Deuteronomy 5 and 15, in Deuteronomy 5, Moses restates every one of the Ten Commandments to the nation of Israel. But he adds something to the one about the Sabbath. He adds something. He says this about the Sabbath. He says, and remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that your Lord, your God, brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And I thought about that. I said, I don't think I think about it enough. I don't remember enough what God's done. And what he was saying to the nation of Israel, he was saying, look, remember. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that I brought you out. Remember, they made you work seven days of hard labor. And now I give you a day to rest. And Egypt is always a metaphor for the world, for the sin. And what it says to me today is, Larry, remember that I brought you out of the sin that you were in. What about you? What do you remember? How do you remember when God brought you out, when he saved you? We talked about that. We read that. and We sang that in that song. I remember the day that he called out my name. Do you remember the day he called out your name? Do you remember the day he set you free? Do you remember the day he brought you through a trial? God wants us just to remember the works of his hands. Yes, we should remember the Old Testament, how he, how he chose a people, how he delivered them, how that Messiah was coming through that bloodline. And then remember he did come. And he went to a cross and he took my sin there and he took your sin there. And that's why we worship him. It should be a time of remembrance. It's also a reminder of who our real source of provision is. One of the most compelling scriptures to me that I think that speaks more to America than anything today is found in Deuteronomy 8. See, God knows that we have this bent towards sin and to forget about him and think we did it all. And he told the nation of Israel, he said, when you come into the land and you build your nice houses and you have plenty to eat and you, everything's going well, America, when you're this great country, you've got this great military, you've got all these hospitals, everything's going great, then you'll forget the Lord your God. That's what he said. But it's a time for us to remember him. 
This is what he said in Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. He said, then you'll say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand has gained me this wealth. Maybe you're, I don't know what your portfolio looks like. Maybe it's great. Maybe it's not. Don't look at it right now. The stock market's not doing too well if your stuff's in the stock market. And God's blessed us all. Everybody in this church right now, you drove to work in a car. You come out of a roof over your head. We sit here with a nice place. We're all blessed, particularly by the world's standards. And if we're not careful, we start saying, look at what I've done. And if you've been faithful to God with your money and you've been smart with your money, good. You should be proud of that. But don't ever forget, God said, it's me who gives you the ability to make wealth. And we always praise Him for that. And the way we do that is to stop for a little while, maybe only one day a week, and say, God, this isn't the day that I'm just going to work just to be working. Now, this doesn't apply. Look, I worked many Sundays when I was still in the police department. I had to. And if, if this strict observance is still applied to us today, number one, we'd be in violation because it should be Saturday. And then number two, we couldn't have any Christian police officers, firefighters, doctors, nurses, military. But the idea of the principle, the principle of it, is that don't make this day like any other day. Don't fly into church hurried, late, fly out early because, man, I got to get, get it. it. I got to get out there and get the side hustle. I got to get my grass cut. I got to do this. I got to do that. Slow it down and watch what happens. Watch what happens. I have in my notes here a tithe of time. The tithe, the tithe was 10%, the first 10% of money. We had an evangelist named Billy Gibson here years ago, and he said the 90%, the 10% blesses the 90%. And if you've ever put your, if you believe in the tithe, you can testify that that's true. But I'm here to tell you this. The same principle is true of time. I have found that if I say, God, Sunday's your day. And I'm going to tell you, in the Smith family, from nine to 12 has always been a non-negotiable. It's time for the Lord. It is a, it's a non-negotiable. And if you will take and give the Lord the time and rest and do the thing, you will find, and this is what I find, you have some things, things folks, you got to experience for yourself. I can sit up here and tell you about it till I'm blue in the face. But you have to experience it. And you will find that the rest of your week is not as hurried. That things seem to fall in place a little bit better. Because you're honoring God with what He has commanded us to do. I think about Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby. Now, there, I must admit, there are times on Sunday I'm riding, I'm thinking, boy, I'd like to have a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I'm heading that way, and ah, oh, they're closed on Sunday. Man, can't get some Chick-fil-A sandwich and a waffle fry. But then I remember why they're closed. And do you know that store earns more per store than any other fast food restaurant? More per store. Even the secular... Economists I read behind, they said, we don't even know how that's possible. Well, I do. Because when you honor God, when Chick-fil-A says, hey, you're the one who gave me this restaurant and everything in it, and I'm going to honor my time with it, I'm going to close on Sunday, and he starts to rain down the blessings. That's how. But most people never tap into it. We don't tap into it. We think God don't know what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. And you can trust him. And you can trust him. Same with Hobby Lobby. That's the purpose of the Sabbath. How about the benefit of the Sabbath? A physical rest for our bodies. I've mentioned that. Our bodies need rest. It doesn't do us any good 
to work, 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 work. God intended us to have some time to rest. And it's okay to rest. I wish I could nap. I do. I can't. I'm one of those people, the moment I sit down to nap, it's like, bing, and my mind's racing 100 miles an hour. Brother Matt and I have had it. He can nap on command. As a matter of fact, he, if he, I'll tell you, don't call him on Sunday afternoon because that's his nap time. I wish, it was my, I wish that was true of me. But I like to sit down in my recliner and pop my feet up. And Tammy says I like to watch football, and it sneaks up on me, and I take a nap. I just can't sit down to take a nap. But it's okay. I think a lot of times as Americans, we just we feel like we're not being productive enough. We need to be doing something all the time. But God says rest. Rest your body. One man challenged another man to an all-day wood chopping contest. The challenger worked very hard, stopping only for a brief lunch break. The other man had a leisurely lunch and took several breaks during the day. At the end of the day, the challenger was surprised and annoyed to find out that the other fellow had chopped substantially more wood than he had. I don't get it, he said. Every time I checked, you were taking a rest, yet you chopped more wood than I did. But you didn't notice, said the winning woodsman, that I was sharpening my axe when I sat down to rest. Sometimes we need to sharpen our axe. And rest does sharpen our minds. It strengthens our bodies because that's what God created us to do. It's a spiritual rest for our souls. Jesus said in 11, 28 through 30, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And I said we prayed in the prayer room this morning. We knew people were going to walk in here. Some of you, not, if not all of you, have walked through those doors with a burden of some kind. If it's a sin burden, you can leave it here. You can leave it at this altar. If it's a burden that you're worried about health or something with your children or an addiction, God wants to meet you where you are. And he said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. The anointing destroys the yoke. We're going to sing a song here in a little bit about our troubled soul. And I hope when it says, oh, praise the name of Jesus, I hope everybody will come down here and let's worship him. If you have something that's burdening you, I hope you'll come and leave it here and let us pray for you. But as Sister Carol said, you've got to be hungry. You've got to want it. God just lays a table. He says, come, choose. And I hope that you will. Because there remains a rest for us. Although it's not the Sabbath rest as it was given to the people of Israel. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in 4, 9, and 10 says, Here remains therefore a rest for the people of God. And I'm looking around here at a lot of the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. That's talking about the Lord. He ceased from his work. What was his work? His work was to go to a cross to take my sin there. He's risen again. He sits at the right hand of the Father, as I said a couple weeks ago, makes intercession for me. He has ceased from the work. Now I can rest in that. My soul can rest in that. And that's the only place that our souls will find rest. And lastly, it's a time to get away from the busyness of life. I'm, I still live a somewhat busy life. Not nearly as busy as when I was working. But we got to prioritize, church. we got to prioritize. Because something will always be pulling at you. 
But don't get caught up into the spirit of busyness. I got to be doing something all the time. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 46 and 10. And it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Take some time. You ever heard slow down, smell the roses? Take some time. Be still and know that he is God. I don't know how you do that. I don't know where you do that. I like to do it on my front porch, particularly on a nice day. Sit there. See the clouds. Sometimes an old hawk will fly by. Maybe the wind will blow a little bit, and I'll hear that chime start to ding. And just for a moment, I'm being still and knowing that the God created the bird and the God that created the wind makes that chime ding. is the same God that I serve and worship. He's there with me, and I can trust him. So slow down. Don't get so caught up. That's not for us. We're not to be out there getting it, getting it, getting it. We need to take a day and honor God with it. And I would say to parents today, instill that principle in your children young because this world wants to give them a spirit of business. Not, and, it, and it's not a bad thing. They want them, you know, let's, we got to get to the baseball, we got to get to the soccer, we got to get to dance, we got to get here, we got to get there. And Sunday takes a, a back seat to all those things. And you instill in them a spirit of busyness. In one of the books I'm reading that's inspired this by Alistair Begg says this, once the family has decided that worshiping together on the Lord's Day is a non-negotiable for them, they will not have to continually debate the questions that arise concerning sports and recreation. If a family does not establish corporate worship as a fixed point, then worship will have to fight for a place on the schedule along with the swim team, the travel soccer, the band practice, and the sleepovers. And that's true. We have to establish that and instill that into your children young. I'm not saying don't do sports. I think sports is great. My son was a wrestler. You get so much out of sports from discipline, all those things. But if it, as, a, as a family, you have to decide if this thing is always going to be on Sunday, what's going to be more important? I've heard someone say there's about that much chance that your son or daughter will ever be a professional athlete. But there's a 100% chance they will die and stand before the Lord. And so, just don't give them that spirit of business. Give them that idea to set aside some time to worship, to remember, and to rest. So let's look at some practical ways to observe the Sabbath. First, regular Sunday church attendance. In our culture today, church, even amongst Christians, that seemed to have gone by the wayside. What happens here from 10.30 to 12 o'clock is important, it's biblical, God established it, and we need to be in church on Sunday morning. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, I know we're online, and for those of you online, I know we've had COVID, but I think it's time to come home. It's time to come home. God did not want us to do that. If the devil can isolate you, and if there's been anything he's done in this COVID, he has isolated people. If he can get you in isolation, then he can really make you Start doubting things. Him, if you struggle with a sin, he, he, he can isolate you. You don't have those people that you're around that you know. They're going to hold you accountable. They're going to say to you, how's it going? Maybe you've shared that struggle, and they may say, how's it going this week? Church is important. And I'm afraid so many people who even who identify as followers of Christ think it's optional. I want to hear you tell you something. It's not. 
Gathering together to worship is not optional. We need to be together. And you know, it says, for Nate, forsake not the assembling of yourselves all the more when you see the day approaching. We're approaching some interesting times. I know a lot of people are watching what's going on with Ukraine and Russia and now China and Iran. I don't know. I'm not going to try to guess times. The Bible says watch and pray. Watch just means be active, be witnessing, be serving, be doing. So when the Lord comes, he finds us doing what we're supposed to be doing and pray. But I will tell you this. I just, for those of us who are spirit-filled believers, we just think, man, what's going on in our world? Is the Lord returning? So he said you, we know the seasons. But all the more when you see the day approaching, that means get together, build each other up, encourage one another, hold each other accountable, worship collectively. That's what we're supposed to do. Try to avoid the busy habits of the other six days. Let me tell you something, that hit me smack in the face because I do that. Tammy and I have a business. There's been time. We try our best not to do show houses or do things on Sunday. Sometimes we have no choice. But... Like I said, that 9 to 12.30 or 1 o'clock is, is, is not negotiable for us. And I'm not here to lay a, legal, a legalism yoke around you. But try to avoid those busy habits of the other six days. Particularly, does this thing control y'all's life as much as it does mine? Now, be honest. You find yourself trying to maybe get some quiet time with the Lord. Next thing you know, you're scrolling through Facebook or all these other things, I, that's the only one I have. Half the time I want to throw it against the wall, but it, it can control your life. Tiffany Schlain built her career on being online almost all the time. She founded the Weeby Awards, which honor the best of the web each year. She also runs a film studio and creates online conversations to use the Internet in its best way, which is to bring people together on issues that unite us, she said. And yet every Friday evening for nearly a decade, Schlain and her family have unplugged their devices and spent the next 24 hours offline in what she calls a technology Shabbat. Particularly for my young folks in here, I challenge you to go 24 hours without looking at your phone. You would probably go insane, and I might go with you. I mean, we're so tied to them. I got to need my update on my Facebook. I got to see how many likes my post got. Try it sometime. See how much you're drawn to it. I am. A lot of those times when I tell you I'm sitting out on that porch and my phone's sitting in the table beside me, next thing you know, just automatically I find myself going to pick it up. And I'm like, Ray, why are you picking this phone up? It's become an automated response. It has. And I, I need to work on that myself. Consider it a day of total devotion to God. Take a Sunday and say, I'm coming to church. I'm going out to eat with my family. And then I'm going home. And I'm going to study the outline. I'm going to catch up on my reading plan. I'm just going to spend some time all day that day. I'm going to dedicate some time to the Lord just that day. Consider acts of ministry. Let that be the day that you know there's a coworker who's struggling. You, there's somebody you've been witnessing to. Let that be the day you, I'm going to call them today and say, I was thinking about you today. Or maybe go by and visit them. You know, Jesus did acts of ministry on the Sabbath. That's another thing they got. A man's hand was withered, and he healed that hand. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees started criticizing him. Saying, You're working on the Sabbath. He said, if your, if your sheep fell in a ditch, you'd go get it out. It's okay. It's a good time to do acts of ministry. Brother Matt, you and the team can come on up. Lastly, rest. 
Rest, take that nap. Say, Sunday's going to be the day that I just don't do all this other stuff that I do the rest of it. I'm going to rest. Enjoy family and God's creation. Take a walk. Go outside when it's nice and enjoy God's creation. I like what Rabbi Norman Lamb said. He said, a society that never rests nor reflects is the same society that over-extracts and over-consumes. We over-extract and we over-consume in this nation. This mastery of the earth without sufficient contemplation of its consequences has produced ecological destruction on the local, regional, and global level. On Shabbat, we are to walk on the earth without asserting our mastery over it in order to acknowledge the sovereignty of the Creator. In this way, we will remember that we are only custodians of the earth with the responsibility to work it and to guard it. Wow. So this, today, for the remainder of 2022, I challenge you to take Sunday and make it a day of worship, corporately, a day of remembrance where you remember what God has done for you, for your family, and a day of rest, to rest your soul. You get that in the presence of God. That's the only place you can get that. And to rest your body. It's okay. Slow down a little bit. We're about to sing a song here in a minute. I'm going to ask Matt and then we're going to start singing. It starts out leaning. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Let me ask you, what you leaning on? Because if you're leaning on your money, if you're leaning on the government, if you're leaning on your family, those things, they're not trustworthy. They're helpful. But the only thing that's everlasting is the arm of God. And then it's going to talk about that weary soul and those burdens and those struggles. And if you're here this morning and you've got something that's got you burdened, while they sing this song, I want you to come down to the altar. And we'll gather around and we'll pray for you. If you're here this morning and you've still got the yoke of sin around your neck, you have never surrendered yourself to Christ. I hope you will. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I don't know what tomorrow holds for you. I don't know what tomorrow holds for me. Some guys were working in our house, and I was talking to him a little bit, and he grew up in the Assemblies of God. He's older than me. He said, yeah, man. He said, those preachers, they, they used to scare you as heaven. They, they, tell, they tell you about hell and heaven. We need to still hear that today. There's still a heaven. And I'm headed there. I hope you are. That's my desire that you are. And there's still a hell. And the Bible says that God, God would that none would perish, but that all would come to a saving knowledge of him. What more can he do? He went to a cross. And he said, come unto me, all you are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I just want to know one thing. Make sure before you leave here that your life is in his faithful hands. My life's in his faithful hands. And he wants to, you to put your life in his hands. And as we go out today, and you go out with your families, I want to say as we started, Shabbat Shalom.
We'll continue to minister around, around the altar if people are praying, but you're free to go. Thank you for coming. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday.